Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Football Digest. Uh, my name's Andy Dunn, Chief Sports Writer of The Daily Mirror. Um, today I'm joined by Steve Bates, the Chief Football Writer for The Sunday People. And David Anderson, um, sports writer with the Daily Mirror, and Simon Bird, uh, who's the Daily Mirror's man in the Northeast. Morning, Gaul, and um, Morning. Northeast. Simon, Morning, actually, it, <laughs> the Northeast is where we normally find um, a footballing crisis um, as a matter of routine. Um, this morning, it's North London. We'll be looking into um, Mikel Arteta's worsening situation um, at the Emirates and maybe at Jose Marino's sort of blip over the last week. Um, not too many worries in the northwest, where Liverpool, you get the feeling, are reasserting their dominance in the Premier League. Manchester United on a charge um, after two years in charge um, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And City maybe not doing as badly as some people make out through to the EFL Cup semi-finals, of course, after last night. Um, we'll also be having a look at uh, Wolves and Nuno um, and his comments about Lee Mason, for which he's um, up before the beat for at the FA. Um, we'll have a look at the, the whole COVID situation. You know, obviously, we're, we're all expecting tight restrictions, how and if that will affect football going forwards. And we'll have a look basically at festive football and, and you know, the beauty of festive football, of Boxing Day football, of, of a couple of games in, in a short space of time. But Steve, myself, and you were, um, were at Goodison Park on Saturday to see um, Arsenal um, beaten 2 1 by Everton. After that game, Arteta said, I want. I don't want victims. I want fighters. And I think in in, in Matt Dunn, uh, Matt Dunn's piece in the Express this morning, he said, "Well, he says had they laid down and drawn a chalk line around the outlines of their bodies, they could not have been any more victims." So he hasn't got that, and um, he's in a tough spot at the moment, Arteta, Steve. Yeah, he is, and um, you know, victims and fighters. Um, well, I think he's if he wouldn't he's fighters, he's at the wrong club because Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Have no real history of of of, of that. There's certainly no real history um, of of engaging in a relegation fight. So if they do get sucked down there for any prolonged period, you would seriously um, seriously fear for their for their futures because because mm. that that team is not made up of uh, gritty characters uh, that you need in a, in a battle. Um, and um, you know that the game we saw Andy against uh, Everton. You know, there was just nothing about Arsenal. I was quite shocked. I haven't seen them live uh, for a while, but I was quite shocked at, at, at the passive way they play the game. And yeah, they play some pretty patterns now and again. They play some passing, but it doesn't lead to anything. And, um, you know, uh, I, I know Arteta was um, uh, lauded as, as, as the saviour when he came in and he did have a couple of decent sort of results early on. I remember the win against Man United at the Emirates and obviously then beat City and Chelsea to win the FA Cup. But... Um, you, you know, since then, it, it really has kind of crumbled. And there are so many subplots within within this story um, mm. involving individuals um, uh, outside of just the, the, the very fact that Arsenal are a poor, a poor team and they don't seem to have any direction, that, that they are in one unholy mess. Yeah. If, if David, if, if, if you appoint someone, though, like Arteta, you know, and essentially a novice manager, you know, surely that, indicates that you're in it for the long term you, you know you just don't no one expects Mikel Arteta to come along it's not like appointing for example talking about Goodison Park a Hollywood appointment like Ancelotti where you know you, you want him to come in and do what he's been doing all his career surely if you appoint someone like Arteta you are saying this is a long-term project I, I think I think you're right Donna, but I think the problem is that that only buys you so much time and then ultimately you just can't keep ignoring the results and, and like the results are pretty awful like as you say he won the FA Cup last season that was great mm. in many respects it was too rapid a progress because it's raised expectations for this season but but this season just been right off was it four wins out of your 14 uh, Premier yeah. League game but I think the biggest worry for me is you look at the goals because one thing with Arsenal we knew they've been flaky at the back for quite a while now and like Gabriel's come in he's sort of 
half solved that well, not even half solved it maybe a fifth solved that problem but mm. but up front really really worrying because you know Aubameyang signed that big new contract there's a lot of you know, what was he going to do was he going to stay was he going to go he signed the deal everyone thought that was great from an Arsenal point of view and what three goals a season and yeah. that's a guy who gets you 22 goals last season 22 goals a season before that and I think that's a real worry. Lacazette's just got three goals. So they've got that double problem where we knew they were always weak defensively, but now they're not scoring goals. They're not digging themselves out of trouble by outscoring the opponents. And as Steve said, you look at it, you just see, you see a team that's a mess. You see a team that's lacking identity. It's going nowhere. It's drifting. You talk about Arteta and, you know, long-term, you know, you must believe in them, but, you know, it comes upon me. You just suddenly think, it ain't working. Yeah. You know, this is just getting worse. And you do wonder. Well, certainly looking at it from, from my perspective, you think this is only going to end in one yeah. way, really. Yeah, and, and Simon, you also have the 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 almost you know I mean, incredibly bizarre situation of this going on while they've got a three hundred and fifty grand a week footballer, world class footballer, not even in the squad, and as fit as a fiddle in Meditozo. Odd. You'd ex expect Arsenal and Arteta to be exploring every single avenue, no matter what this previous fallout are, to get themselves out of it, uh, and to have a player on that much money. Um, Training on his own, not part of the, the whole setup is is madness. And mm. the hierarchy at Arsenal have got uh, sort of there's no evidence, uh, no no backstory that Arteta can turn this round. He, he's facing a, a situation alien to him. He's, he's he's probably gone through his whole playing life and his managerial life at, at Man City as a number two, um, winning games. But now it's back to the wall. He's got dissent and disputes allegedly in the in the dressing room and um, dissatisfaction from the fans at, at results. Um, and it's it's that old story of, of of becoming a number one in your own right, having done a very good job as a number two, uh, and winning games at Man City. And now you're the you're the figurehead. You're the man who's making the tactical decisions. In Arsene Wenger's words, making eleven men unemployed on a Saturday when you don't pick them, and managing that side of things. Um, you know, factions in the dressing room, egos, and when when it's all down to you, that that must look a very different job to being being a number two, and it's, it's a struggle for him. Yeah, and, and Sam, you mentioned there, you touched on, on, on things behind the scenes there and, and we talk about contracts. You know, I, I look from the outside and, and see, you know, sometimes you get, never mind the Mesotosal situation, sometimes you get a player who is used as, as an example, as, as, as someone who typifies everything that's wrong with the club at the moment. And that player to me has become, rightly or wrongly, it's become Willian um, and sort of symptomatic of, of how Arsenal, how badly it's been run over over the last couple of years. There you have a, you know, a guy who's got a contract at the age of 32 for three years, you know, on a free. And it's it sort of, hang on a minute, like, why why wouldn't he um, go into a comfort zone, some sort of comfort zone when when someone's given him a contract that will last until he's 35 years of age and a very handsome contract at that. And that sort of typifies, um, Steve, I think Arsenal's dealings, their recruitment, you know, let's think Nicolas Pepe. I mean, he must now be, one of the worst value for money signings um, in recent years. The contract for William, the contract for David David Luiz, the new contract for Cedric. These are very, you know, I think people behind the scenes, as they do, have to take responsibility as much as um, as much as um, Arteta himself. Absolutely, there, there yeah. seems to be a, a kind of scatter scattergun policy mm. to recruitment. Um, William, like you say, um, absolutely against Everton was just a, a pale shadow yes. of the player that we all knew, mm. and, and, and the one that we saw, to be honest, at Chelsea last season. At times, yeah. in, in that Chelsea team, he looked really good. In this team, he looks disinterested. He looks as though he's picking up his money. Um, he, he looks as though he's there for the ride, and um, you know that is not what Arsenal need at the moment. They need leaders, and they haven't got any. That is the tragic thing about this Arsenal team. You look at Arsenal in the past, their their title winning teams, Tony Adams. And I know it's always it's always easy to look back and 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 make comparisons and parallels. But if you look back to the leaders Arsenal have had in the past, mm. um, uh, they, they, that team is just devoid of leaders, and that's why you would fear for them in a relegation fight. But mm. um, you know, the, the, I can't think of one of their signings. Uh, yeah. in recent times that, that has been a kind of, um, should we say, like a Bruno Fernandes at Man United, a kind of an impact signing that has absolutely transformed the club. And Arsenal should be the type of club making those signings. Yes. And, and just mentioning Bruno Fernandes, you know, and we're seeing the same kind of thing now with with um, in the in the wake of Arsene Wenger. We're now on to what? The, the second manager uh, or third manager since, since Wenger came out. You wouldn't you wouldn't absolutely um, suggest that Artessa uh, will be long in that job. There might be another change. We know obviously Max Allegri is 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 kind of available. 
um, dare I say it, Maurizio Pochettino. You know, that would that that, that would <laughs> no, that would you really, didn't say it, mate. That, that would really be a, a kind of maybe a step too far, certainly for Tottenham fans. But Arsenal fans, I think, in this current climate, they can't be choosy. If Arsenal yeah. do make a change, Arsenal cannot be choosy. That they are staring down the barrel at the minute, yeah. and um, you know, it's it's not looking good for them. I have to say, and and of course. When these kind of situations kind of happen with, with uh, around a, a swirl, a conversation, building pressure, you look at the fixtures, and of course, Liverpool, uh, Arsenal's next fixture on Boxing Day Chelsea. is Chelsea, yeah. mm-hmm. and that that could be um, that could be the, the the real key moment for Arteta. Well, you think you think don't don't you um, of, of of everything just seems to be going wrong. You think of. You know, they're getting a lot of stick now for selling um, Martinez um, to Aston Villa, but he's having a great time at Aston Villa. Yeah, Arteta, for some reason, brings in the backup goalkeeper um, last night and, and and he makes an absolute howler. You know, mm-hmm. nothing at, at the moment can seem to go um, to seem to go right for him. Arteta has to take responsibility for that. I think we're probably all in agreement that, you know, I think it's 14 points from 14 games. You know, they're... they're you know, is it too early to say they're in a relegation battle? I probably think think not. Um, what I want to talk about is that overall bottom of the table. Um, and while we're on, for example, the EFL Cup, Simon, last night, Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it, as a distraction from, you know, I, I, and we always talk about trophies and, and, and teams winning trophies, you know, and that seemed, I have to confess, I didn't actually see the game, but that seemed such a, um, such a disappointing performance last night. Oh, there's the. I mean, to be fair, there's there's absolute uproar on on Tyneside yeah. about the whole the whole result last night. I mean, immediate calls for Steve Bruce to be sacked from key fans, social media sites, and and influential fans leaders. Um, and not surprisingly, so I mean, you look at the league situation. Uh, Eighteen points. They look safe. They look okay. Yeah. Callum Wilson has uh, has dug them out of a hole on several occasions. But it, it's the it's the style of football and the lack of invention, the lack of pace, creativity. Um, the body language is bad, um, in, in, and it's not just one game. That that wasn't a cup shock. In, in really, mm-hmm. it, it was actually probably most fans expected it because of what they've watched this year. Newcastle have become a team that just surrender possession, um, and you know they, they've had, they have twenty five thirty percent possession per game, uh, and they don't keep the ball very well. They, they, they just can't. They just it's a really poor poor show and Steve Bruce has been there a couple of seasons now. There doesn't seem to be a system or an identity or a way of playing that fans can hang their hat on. Um, and you ask about managers if they're performing well, are they great? Are the players that Newcastle have got and they've spent 100 million, they've got an 80 million pound um, strike force, are they greater than the sum of the parts um, that, that Steve Bruce has got? And you probably the answer to that is, is resoundingly no. So there's a lot of opposition to Steve Bruce, which has been brewing. It's reached a, reached a crescendo with last night's results. Um, if you ask me whether Mike Ashley will, will sack him, I'm not sure. He's, he kind of gets on well with Steve Bruce. He's had face-to-face long transfer talks with him this time last year, and that's unusual. Uh, so I think he probably is quite loyal to him, but mm. he had his he had his key, um, Justin Barnes, who kind of runs the club with Lee Charnley, uh, and his PR man at the match the other day for no particular reason. And you wonder whether they're taking the temperature and finding out what's happening. If, mm. fans, if fans were at the ground at the moment, they would be, be up or they'll be booing. Steve Bruce is lucky the, the stadiums are empty. Yeah, Steve. It, 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 it's good to hear, you know, from from people who actually see Newcastle week in, week out, game in, game out. Because I think you know one of the things is, is that in the coverage of Newcastle is that you do get people who are maybe slightly detached from it, looking from the outside, saying, "Well, well as, as Simon said, oh, well, you know, they've got eighteen points. It looks like they probably won't get sucked into a, a desperate battle this season. They might still do, by the way. There's a long way to go, but." And look from the outside and they see Steve Bruce and they think, well, actually, he's doing okay. But that clearly isn't the case, is it, from people who have to put up the football week in, week out, game in, game out, and have done for a long time. Absolutely, Donny. Uh, and and um, uh, you, you do get the feeling that, that, that Steve Bruce has been firefighting since the day he he kind of walked into the club, really. Uh, there's always been kind of a, a faction that have never really truly embraced him. So so that that is one conversation happening at the club, but... Um, when you look at Newcastle, how many times have we been here in this situation where you know uh, Newcastle have, have kind of uh, flattered to deceive, if you like, promised to kind of take another step forward, but 
inevitably it ends up in a step backwards. And if you look at their if you look at their next three fixtures, I think they've got uh, City, Liverpool, and Leicester. Yes. So while we're talking about them being sort of mid-table comfort at the moment, yes. they could easily they could easily take zero points yes. in those nine, and then they certainly are drifting down towards that that danger zone. Yes. So um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of uh, if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd be looking at the table thinking, okay, we look okay at the mm. moment, but 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 those next few fixtures could mean uh, the new year could have a a very very kind of bleak look about it. Absolutely, I, I totally agree. You know, City look like they're, they're, they're you know, just um, revving up to give someone a hammering at some stage. David, I'm, I'm really interested in what Simon said about the 25, 30% of, of possession. And again, this is the thing that people look on and say, oh, well, he's picking up points here and there, you know, and does it really matter what style of football you play? And, and I'll link this now to a club that you see a lot of Leeds United. You know, that was the discussion after they were hammered at Old Trafford. And overall, does it matter? Would would Newcastle fans or fans of any club be happy for their team to be losing games but playing attractive football that the likes of Newcastle fans would go along to watch? Or are you are you happy if your team has twenty five percent possession and nicks the odd win here and then stays up? I think everybody likes good football, but ultimately you want to see your team win, don't you? And you're right, and you're bringing a very good point there about Leeds, about they'll go out and they'll mm. lose possession and they'll create chances and they'll, all the stats look fantastic. But, you know, it's the old cliche, and the only statistic that matters the most is, is the goals one. And as you said, they're coming out too often on the wrong side of that one. And again, so I made the point about having no fans. Can you imagine what the Leeds fans would have been like inside Old Trafford if they're watching their team getting hammered 6-2 by the team they hate the most? You know, and instead it's been shrugged off as, uh, oh, didn't they play wonderful? Didn't they take part in this wonderful exhibition of football? Isn't there? Isn't the world a wonderful place right now? And you think, no, it's not. Leeds fans will not have enjoyed that at all. And, and you're right about it. Leeds have conceded 30 goals in their first 14 Premier League. Th yes. Sorry, 30 goals. They're on course mm. for 100. Yes. <laughs> you know, 100 I goals. It's just, that's not even a defence. You know, that, that's just not even trying. So that's a major, major issue. And yet Behel's mantra is, I will not change. We will just keep playing the same yeah. way because I believe what will work. You know, his idea of defending is to deny the opposition possession by having the ball, which is which is fine until they turn you over and they hit you on the counter attack or a set piece. It's uh, it's quite worrying in that sense. It is a real, real Achilles heel for Leeds, and uh, mm. you know, somebody's to be one step forward and two steps back with them at the minute. Like, don't forget they've only won five of their of the fourteen games, but because. They win them in the stand like they did Newcastle 5-2, you know, was it mm. 10 days a week ago. Everybody suddenly goes, wow, isn't that wonderful? Leeds are back, biggest win since 2003, et cetera, et cetera, in the Premier League. Isn't Bielsa a genius? And you think, well, well, no, not when you've been done 6-2, 4-1, 4-1, 4-1. You got to have some sort of like, you know, sense to it, really. But um, that's, that's the way he'll be and that's the way he'll go. I understand. I, I understand what he's saying. I understand there's that there's a balance to be had, and he probably found that balance, for example, in in the in the win at um, Everton and in the maybe the draw at home to Manchester City, which yeah. I think we were we were both at. Um, but I do like this idea. You know, I mean, Simon, coming back to the style of play and, and Newcastle, I do get it. I do get the idea that you know, if you pay your money, you turn up. You want to see your team have the football. It's why I always think that. You know this 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 spectre of relegation, which is to be avoided at all costs. Well, you know what? Sometimes if you go down, guess what happens? You win football matches. You have the football. Burnley go down. You know, one I don't know half a dozen games in the Premier League that year, two thousand thirteen, I think it was. Go down, and they get ninety three points in the Championship. Look at Norwich and Bournemouth this season. Do you think they're you know there are fans watching them? Okay, maybe not at the grounds, but they seem to be enjoying themselves. You know, Norwich couldn't win a game last season. They they've won, I think. Twice as many games this season than won an entire last season. So, so Sam, I, I do think it matters, doesn't it, to see to actually see your team have the ball, particularly at home. Yeah, I mean, it's grim just seeing ten men behind the ball, yeah. two in, in in a formation that looks tight. Um, and they did; they had to do it under Rafa in a way because that was their. You know, they, they got promoted. Then it was a survival season. Then you build with the extra TV money from then on, but. You know they need. They've got a good. They've got a potentially decent attacking force. A mid-table, upper mid-table, ninth, maybe tenth, eighth, if they're lucky, kind mm. of strike force. But there's a lot of huge contracts being handed out this season to players who came through that uh, promotion side, the relegation promotion. Shelby, Richie, 
and others who have been rewarded with, and Sam Maxim, who's a recent signing, been rewarded with massive contracts. And you do wonder whether those players have been working for those contracts to secure their futures. And then the edge comes off a little bit. And I think there's, Bruce has deliberately mm-hmm. given those contracts out to get loyalty off those guys. Uh, and, and it's not coming back at the minute. And, and there's several senior players are going to have to step up. And the body language stank like yesterday. It was, it was awful. Yeah. Um, and that's got to be... He's, he's had COVID problems. There's a little bit of a... Yeah. A tiny excuse there. The energy levels from Isaac Hayden and people like that have dipped. Jamal Lewis had it very badly, apparently. Um, so there is a kind of like excuse, but he's also he's also talked about it a lot and given them given them that excuse in his press conferences. Um, yeah, and Newcastle want it. You know, the fans want to turn up and, and enjoy their football. And it's that legacy of the entertainers and Keegan, which kind of always hangs over the club. That's what that's what the you know the recent history of the club is that there's no tr- history of winning trophies or anything. It's just that entertainment yeah. value, and um, the fans don't expect to win anything. They want to turn up and have a good laugh, and then go to the pub and see some goals. And um, it, it's not a demanding fan base in terms of winning trophies. They just want to be kind of entertained and, and have a plan. Yeah. I'm sadly turning up and going to the pub now seem to be <laughs> probably out of the question <laughs> for some considerable time. But I think it's interesting. I think it's all in balance, isn't it? You know, it's. It, it, it's um, it's okay if you get the balance right, i.e. you can't expect to turn up and be gung-ho against the Manchester Cities of this world or the Liverpools of this world. And fans understand that. You know, it's when you're not gung-ho against mid-table teams, against, I don't know, anyone, against the Wolves or against, you know, or against the Leeds, for example. I think fans fully get that, that, that you can't go toe-to-toe with the likes of City. And you maybe have to be defensive. I remember um, Rafa Benitez got a couple of good, well, at least one good result I can recall against City by basically just just putting all the men behind the ball, nicked one later on. So there's a balance to be had. Um, and 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 Steve, I think Leeds need to find that balance. And and they clearly didn't find it at Old Trafford. You know, to, to, to expose yourselves to a team that is it has now become, for better or for worse, a, a, essentially a very effective counter-attacking team. You know, you, you, we see United now half the time not having more possession but United just got a spot on that day and um, the balance wasn't there in terms of leads but do you think now it's two years and what's the date today the 23rd so it was, it was December the 19th I think Solskjaer it was Saturday, um, took yeah, over. Saturday anniversary yeah, yeah uh, as caretaker manager then initially but now he's had two years um, Steve and you know he, he only ever seen his one result away from a ollie out Hashtag and you know one result away from United are back. Where where does the truth lie? Well, uh, you've encapsulated it perfectly. Mm. Um, that is that is the life of a Man United manager post Alex Ferguson. But even during his era, uh, two defeats signalled the end of the world. Three defeats, then you know turn the lights off and go home. Um, and and Solskjaer sometimes uh, has been kind of. Uh, lurching towards disaster, and then he's pulled himself back. He's 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 kind of he is the modern day Houdini manager uh, in the Premier League at the moment. Because uh, whenever Man United and him need a result, he gets it. But they do seem to have struck on you alluded to it there, Donny. That yeah. they do seem to have struck on this this style of playing. Uh, and and some people might question it and say Manchester United shouldn't be a counteracting team. Why not? Mm. If that is your strength, why not? You know, United. Um, have, have in the past uh, at Old Trafford had 70-80% possession against teams like West Brom, uh, lower lower teams who've been struggling, who've come and packed defence and they've got a result out of it because United can't break them down. So if, if your strength is absolute speed, pace, uh, enormous goal potential on the break, why not play to that? Yeah. As they did it, as they did. I mean, not everybody's going to be a Leeds and, and, and come to Old Trafford and play in such an open way. Because if they did, United will destroy them. I mean, uh, and we've seen, we saw last season, I think, Manchester United, when they went to the Etihad, uh, City came at them in such a way that Leeds did. United just picked them off and were a couple of goals up inside about 20 minutes. So United have that capability. Uh, and Solskjaer must be applauded for that because he's he's kind of, he's he's kind of fashioned that kind of style um, uh, but you do get the feeling that the jury is still out on him, uh, and and you only have to speak to uh, kind of a, a kind of vox pop of United fans, and you will get you will get one person or, or ten people saying stick with him, he's doing a great job, and then you get ten people saying we need him out, we're, we're kind of not making the progress that we should be. Uh, I think that's a little harsh. I think they are making progress, um, but but there are still things to to sort out. 
obviously the Pogba problem is one of them. Um, you know, and and I think Solskjaer has been criticised that maybe a stronger manager uh, would not have tolerated um, Pogba uh, and his agent behaving in the way they have done, uh, and would have demanded Pogba maybe came out and sort of set the record straight. Um, they haven't done that. They seem to pander to Pogba a little bit. I'm not quite sure why, because um, you know when he's not in the team, United still win. So it's not as always is the Fernandez talisman of, of that team. He's not. Um, but they need to sort that problem out. Um, but but longer term, going forward, I know there's no appetite from uh, Ed Woodward and the Manchester United owners uh, to to uh, part company with with him. They're going to stick with him. I, I think certainly this season in a, in a COVID season. Uh, they're hit by COVID. They, they're going to certainly stick with him. There's no way they're going to change. Um, but at some point, United have got to turn that uh, potential uh, in, into an actual title challenge. Is it going to be now? Is it going to be in the new year? We'll have to wait and see. But I think there is the demand at Old Trafford, as there always is, no matter what the landscape looks like at United. There's always the expectation that they have to to be pressing. And this is a good this is a good moment for United now to maybe step up and, and let's yeah. see what they're made of. Simon, you know, I look at it and Manchester United, to me, have a very good squad, um, exceptional squad, in fact. And, you know, they, they surely are very credible title challenges, aren't they? Well, on, on, a, on a good day, they're, they're very, very good. I mean, I, I saw them score three in about five minutes at Newcastle and they were, they were absolutely devastating. And it is, like Steve said, the, the pace that uh, Rashford has, Bruno Fernandes picking out his runs, it, it, they're very good. But on a, on, on a bad day, they can be quite bad. Um, and yeah. That, that's coincidentally happened in the Champions League. They got seven wins in the last ten games. Really messed up against PSG and the Turkish team in the Champions League. Yeah. But it is a strange club to watch from the outside. And, and at one minute you're reading of a total disaster. He's going to get the sack, and um, you know they're out <laughs> the Champions League. Pogba's kicking off, or his agent is. And then and then a week later you are reading headlines: win the game in hand, and they're two points off Liverpool and in the title race. So um, whether they've got the, the firepower or the consistency to, to, to maintain a title challenge, like Steve said, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think Liverpool will eventually run away with it, but but they are in the title race and it is that that, that club has to be in the title race. It's, that's the bottom line for them. Yeah. Dave, I just, I just want to ask you about um, um, a couple of little um, interesting um, squad selection, team selection dynamics there at Manchester United. De Gea or Henderson? Well, in some respect, that sums up the problem. They've got done it because it should be De Gea because De Gea at this point should be in the prime. But the fact is, they're not the question marks over him. So all he's obviously trying to say, ride two horses at once, saying, well, if I can just keep Dean Anderson sweet by saying, I'm going to ease you in a little bit and give him some games, then hopefully it'll sort itself out and Dean will become my number one and everybody can say, well, I've given De Gea a chance. But then you have a situation like Anderson drops that clanger at, uh, at Sheffield United. When he does put him in, that was only a second Premier League start. Drops that clanger, gives Sheffield United a goal, and you know that's a goal that you that's a game United could have dropped easily have dropped yes. points in. Really, it was a difficult start for them. I think ultimately it's got to be Henderson, but at the minute, Donny, it's you know it's yeah. it's, it's a, you know. I, I I find that situation odd. I really do, yeah. only because um at, at, um when we spoke um when Henderson was on when he was called up for England in in ahead of the September games, you know, and he said. We said it's slightly odd that you've gone back, signed a new contract at Manchester United. You've just got into the England squad. Clearly, you can't be a number two. You're not going to be in the England squad for that long if you're just a number two goalkeeper. And he said, I won't be. And we're like, you know, how can you be so confident that that, that you're going to instantly um, replace David De Gea? And, and, and he was so much so that at the time, um, I came away and I thought, you know what? He's been told that he's going to be number one there. I, I mean, listen, I was obviously wrong, but that's what the, he was that confident. And, and now he's in a situation, I think, Henderson, where if he's not playing, he wants to be at the Euros, then, you know, he, he's got to think even as early as January about, about trying to get out on, on, on loan, um, maybe, or something along those lines. And David, just to, just to finish on United, Pogba, I, I said there was a couple of things. Pogba's the other one. I mean, does it really matter what his agent says? We seem to have this every, you know, six months, you know, and then every six months, pundits will be out there saying we can't deal with this guy anymore and Pogba should be out. Does it really matter? Does it really matter what Minoraiola says? Uh, and does and the only thing that matters is that Pogba actually, you know, actually gets into a groove of form that we know he's capable of. Yeah. Do you know what? In some respect, it doesn't matter because he's become, in playing terms, almost a little bit of irrelevance because mm. people like Fernandes have come in now, if this is Fernandez you're talking about, and Fernandez's age was coming to say, oh, Bruno wants to play for Barcelona or Bruno wants to play for Real Madrid and he wants to go in January, then I think you'd be worried as a United fan. 
Pogba's, you say, is becoming a bit of a relevant sideshow. Oh, here we go again. Another transfer window. Rayol is kicking off. He's not happy. He wants to leave. Blah, 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 blah. We've heard it all before. So in some respects, United, you can almost see why Solskjaer's riding because he says, well, yeah, we get this every year or every transfer window. It, it, he shouts up. Then nothing happens and we get on with it. But if you're looking at a team like Manchester United, you know, you think treat the club with respect. You know, you can't have this fella, especially when he's not playing that well, basically having his agent every transfer window said, oh, Paul's not very happy. He thinks it's maybe time to move on and stuff like that there. Like if you were one of his teammates in the dressing room, especially someone like a friend who's actually doing the business, you'd say, tell you what, Paul, why don't you pull the finger out and actually do something, deserve all these big moves instead of just sitting there. On your, you know, living off the glory of France's World Cup win, and that when was that again? Twenty eighteen or something, or <laughs> all those scudettos with Juventus. When was that again? About nineteen thirty four or something. Like that. You know, do you not, you do not think? Do you not think though, guys? Do you not think though, guys, that uh, Jurgen Klopp at, Klopp at Liverpool or or uh, Pep Guardiola at Man City just wouldn't tolerate that kind of white no, noise going on? They would. They wouldn't. <laughs> so, so that that again feeds into the conversation about is Solskjaer strong enough to kind of uh, deal with that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. sure you got the name. No, you're right. You're, you're, you're right. And you get the feeling with, with Ollie that, you know, we always give this, he's nice. He's a nice guy. Everyone likes him. We like him. The fans like him. The players like him. Woodward likes him. The Glazers like you know, he, you know, he's not a yes man, but he, 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 you know, he doesn't rock the boat type thing. You almost see with Pogba where, it's like he maybe said, well, you know, Fergie used to give Cantona a long leash and like he would do his different things, but he would always bring him back into the fold, just give him a little bit of slack and, He's maybe thinking of Pogba. What I've got to do is he, he he signs off like this here, but you know, don't say anything, don't make a bad situation worse, and then eventually nothing happens. He comes back, plays well, and the situation resolving itself. And you think, well, yes, you can do that, but ultimately, you're right, Steve. It makes you look weak as a manager because it undermines your your position in the dressing room. And the players will look at that. Well, certainly, I would be looking at that and thinking, hold on a minute, this guy's kicking off every window. He's not even our best player anymore. He costs all that money. He's getting paid all those wages. You know. I, and yet you're saying to me, can you try harder? Could we want to win the league this year? You think, well, you know, sort this out. And you're right, it is almost this boil that needs Lansing, really. And you're right, the, the best thing for United would be just get shot of them, really, because they don't need them. They wouldn't miss them. Get the money, get rid of move on. Because you're right, it does not, well, the club doesn't reflect in a great light from the situation. It doesn't help Solskjaer's position either. You, you know, I, I take all that on board, but, but you know what I find? I, I find um, um, slightly amusing is, is that every time Raiola comes out with this sort of stuff, you know, everyone is queuing up in the papers. Um, everyone's queuing up in the papers. Let me show. So, excuse me. That's is just that, my. Is, uh, that's my. Is that uh, your wake up call? No, it's my NHS responder alert alarm. I don't know why that suddenly went off. We'll see. Really no, you know that NHS app because it was my volunteer driver, you see. So yes, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah I, switched, I switched it off. I switched it off three months ago. <laughs> Sorry, I thought right, someone, okay. I thought Coming to arrest me for my opinions, <laughs> <laughs> but no. What I was going to say, what I find strange about the Raiola situation is that every time he comes out with these sort of things, you know, everyone, you know, including probably myself and including other columnists and including pundits, are all queuing up and saying, "Isn't this terrible?" Like, you know, Raiola should, you know, keep stum. Listen, as journalists, isn't it great that you ask him a question and he gives you the answer? You know, it, it's it's sort of rather. Rather, what's the word I'm looking for? Rather, rather it's ironic of it. It's hypocritical, isn't it? It's hypocritical When someone blanks you, you ring an agent, right? I don't want to talk about that. That's terrible. He doesn't want to talk about it. And Raiola <laughs> does talk about it and says, you know what? Pog was unhappy. And by the way, you know, United are rubbish and, and, and he's off. And we're going, oh, that's terrible. You know, but anyway, <laughs> I digress. But you also mentioned, Dave, there about the links um, always coming up, you know, we'll. we'll you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, whatever. Strange of one player who, who was linked, um, well, inadvertently linked or, or wouldn't, as they say, rule out a move um, somewhere like that in the future was Mohamed Salah this, this, um, over these past few days. And that was an interesting development. And then, of course, he, he came off the bench um, to score in a hammering at, at Palace. Um, all throughout the last you know, couple of seasons, if, if there's one player you thought that might be um, attracted um to a move, it might be Salah, Steve. How do you, how do you see that, that that situation shaping up? I'm sure Liverpool won't be that concerned. No, no, they won't be. But, I mean, um, I, I, I tell you what, I wasn't totally shocked when I heard that story, mm. if I'm being honest, because, um, don't forget, Mo Salah has had quite a varied career. He's gone different places. He's had different experiences. Now, he's won, in the last two or three seasons with Liverpool, he's won the uh, Champions League. Mm -hmm. He's won the league. Um you, you might sort of say 
Um, what else is there left for him to do there? OK, win another league. Yeah, that would be good. And maybe at the end of this season when they have done that, Liverpool, Mo Salah might think, do you know what? I, I, I need a different challenge. I need a new challenge. I need a new life experience. And I don't think any Liverpool fan could actually criticise him for that. I really don't. I don't think um, he would fall into the category of maybe Luis Suarez or Philippe Coutinho, who both left Liverpool uh, with kind of unfinished business, if you like, or un unfulfilled uh, kind of ambitions there. Mo Salah hasn't. Mo Salah has been an absolute dream footballer for Liverpool. He's just the man that they needed at the, the, the right time to elevate them to, to that level where they were winning big trophies. And he's done that. And he may just think, do you know what? I've had three, four years at Liverpool. It's time for me to, to move on. And and I, for, for one, would not kind of criticise him for that because he's done his job at Liverpool. Nobody could ever say that. And, and he may want to look for a different experience. Yeah. But Simon, from a purely footballing point of view, uh, purely footballing point of view, there's probably no better place to be than Liverpool at the moment, is there? And under European club. Footballing-wise, I don't see why he'd want to go anywhere else. And... If he, if he is considering, he's got a choice to make. Does, does he want to be a football tourist and a nomad in his career? Or, or does he want to embed himself in a club and become an absolute legend for all time? You know, he, maybe he wants to go and do two, two, three years at Real Madrid. But mm. if he stayed at Liverpool and retained the title, won another Champions League and won four titles in five years, you know, that, that that's right up there with like the best player they've ever had and legendary yeah, yeah. That's that's the choice. That's the path that he can go on now, or he can ditch it and go to an in, a, a club that's you know quite often in turmoil. They might they might not even be able to afford him in Real Madrid because the crisis in Spanish football and the finances aren't great. So, footballing wise, it would be I think it would be daft for him to leave at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, David, uh, uh, you know, Simon's spot on there about about how Liverpool can go on, how he can cement himself in the Hall of Fame, how. Um, and, and, and there's no reason to believe, I don't, I, I've thought this from day one to this season, there's no reason to believe the Liverpool are not going to defend their title. There's no reason to believe the Liverpool are not going to go on um, and, and win more titles um, under Jurgen Klopp, whose contract runs until, I think, 2024, is it? I yes. think so, isn't it? Yeah. 2024. 2024 yeah. and, 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 and do you see anyone, I mean, do you see anyone, I'm not seeing anyone challenging Liverpool, but, but realistically, can you see anyone other than Liverpool winning the title this season? Um, well, put it this way, I, don't, I think it's Liverpool's to lose. Yeah. So, for example, we saw earlier on this season there were some strange results and they've dropped points strangely. You know, don't forget, you know, it's only about, what, 10 days ago, they were awful at Fulham. Yes. You know, for 60 minutes and then dug it out. So unfortunately, there is that propensity within them to maybe put a shocker in. But you're right, they're getting their old consistency back and you can sort of see it. Like, they're not going to be like last season. They're not going to get near 100 points. They can probably win with about 90 this season. But but you're right, you certainly look over the last couple of games, Tottenham was a massive, massive result for it. You know, the way they played and then that last-minute winner just made it feel like last season again when they were doing that to teams like Villa and, and Leicester and stuff. Then you sort of, um, you know, you follow that up with, you go to Crystal Palace, the goal difference hadn't been great. The reason why they hadn't been above Tottenham was because of the, the, the stuffing they took at Villa. In a stroke, they wipe out that. They've now got the best goal difference in the league and you begin to look at it and, uh, yeah, they're sort of like firing on all cylinders mm. again. And then you make the point about the injuries. Yes, there's no Gomez. Yes, there's no Van Dijk. But really, apart from that, they've more or less getting everybody back or they've certainly got the people that you'd want back in, in those positions. So they're getting away with it and then suddenly you think well if you've got Matip and Fabinho at centre half and then maybe like a Reese Williams it's not it's not really that yeah. bad especially if you've got all those other guys around them and you're right you begin to look at it you, you said about this this team really if you look at that squad can sort of should be winning titles for the next two or three years it's yeah. not like sort of 24 team where a shot at the moon and it didn't quite work and it all fell apart again you know the foundations there if anything that team squad is even stronger than last season because not only has they got the established stars you chuck Jota into that mix. Um, don't, don't forget about Thiago yeah. Alcantara. He hasn't been yeah, since exactly. he's, he, he's, he's world class. And then not only that, but he successfully added in the likes of a Curtis Jones. He's now successfully established as a first-team player. Nico Williams, Reese Williams, even Kelleher, the goalkeeper situation, because Alisson gets injuries. Yeah. Adrian comes in. Everybody goes, oh, my God, not Adrian. He can't kick. He can't play the ball at his feet. Well, do you know what? They don't need it now because they've got Kelleher. They've been grooming him. He knows what to do. And he's, he, he's dipped him in. Two clean sheets, two winning performers. And you think, wow, you know, so he, we have got a proper backup now. So you sort of look at the team and 
it's hard to see weaknesses apart from the obvious one about still no Virgil at centre half, but they, they, yeah. they, they can do enough to make up for that, really. And you're right, they should. If they don't win the league this season, it's because they'll have collapsed and drawn a lot of games or suddenly started losing, which at certainly at the present moment is hard to see. Because right, you look at the title challenge, you talked about United. Yes, United can possibly do it. They're not yet consistently good enough, so they won't. City yeah. still seem to be in that strange transition phase where you're not quite sure where they are with it all. They've got the, they'll still win trophies, probably win another League Cup, for example. But will they really pip Liverpool? I'm not quite sure. Chelsea, again, in the early stages of their development, have the potential, maybe not this year. And then beyond that, Tottenham is always going to be very difficult. Uh, it was all about Jose. And then, well, Leicester, you know, if they can finish top four, they'd be delighted. Yeah, Steve. I mean, I mean, and Dave's preempted me there. I was going to say that, that, that you know we, we're, we're quite sort of, uh, um, I wouldn't say biased, but but, but we're up north in um, this panel. Um, from the south, we've mentioned we've established Manchester United will be challengers. The Liverpool are favourites. City won't be going away. Spurs and Chelsea. I mean, are they realistic um, challengers this season? Personally, I don't think so. No, no, I, I don't think um, I ever bought into Jose Mourinho's uh, uh, rhetoric that they were uh, genuine title contenders when they were having that good run. I, I, I just don't see them as a as a as the type of force that Liverpool and Manchester are and Manchester City have been the last two or three years. Um, and Chelsea, as Dave just alluded to, they're just a work in progress, aren't they, at the minute? So mm. I, I, I don't think I don't think a, a serious title challenge will come from either of those two clubs, to be honest. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I think I think the, the, the challenge to Liverpool may come from Manchester. I, I don't know from which particular club. Um, I think City are always capable of putting five, six, seven, eight, nine game winning run together. Um, but as, as Dave said again, uh, it's Liverpool's to lose. And the frightening thing about Liverpool is that they look so strong at the minute. And this is without Van Dijk and Gomez. Yeah. And everybody was saying, oh, doomsday scenario without VVD, they're never, ever going to be able to retain that title. But, yeah. but they have. They, they, they've shown kind of immense resilience in that in that way. And, you know, young players have come in. Reese Williams came in the other day. was absolutely fantastic at centre-half. Um, uh, they tried Phillips there, I think, as well earlier. He did OK. Curtis Jones coming on. Uh, he's done absolutely brilliantly. So so there's, there's a lot there for Liverpool to to uh, suggest that they're going to win the, 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 their, their 20th title. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Manchester United fans won't want to hear that, of course, because they've <laughs> been crying, crying for quite a long time, at, uh, 20 times, etc. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Liverpool look um, as though they, they could be yeah. in a title groove that might last three, four seasons. Yeah, it's, uh, yes, I, I, I agree. I, and, and I think, you know, it's bizarre now when I think of it. That I, I have seen... First hand, Liverpool lose seven two this season. Yes, watch them lose seven two to Aston Villa. With respect, I mean it, that's how, that's how how freakish some of those 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 results um, those results were. And I agree with you on Chelsea; they are a work in progress. You know, I find as well, having sort of we've all dealt with him for many many years, but isn't it amazing how 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 the intensity, you know, the pressure. I mean, Frank Lampard. You know, I mean, it, it, it's in every interview after the game. The the, 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 the pressure is, is on him. You know, when he was saying that. Listen, we're you know when we're doing well, we're not as good as you say we are. When we're doing badly, we're not as bad as you say we are. We're somewhere in between. But he's clearly feeling the pressure. But they keep throwing in the odd results, one of which I think was the defeat away at at Wolves. And I was thinking of that because because that was when when Nuno was a bit happier than he was um, the other day when he when he said <laughs> when he said of Lee Mason, I just don't want to see him anymore. I hope he does not whistle a game of ours again. I think, yeah, as I say, I think he is the FAR have asked him to explain his comments. Um, I have to say, I always, that always amuses me as well when they say, Can you explain your comments? Well, they don't need much explaining, do they? No. I don't want, I hope he does not whistle a game of ours again. Well, I mean, how do you explain that one? But you do you think you know, it, it, it's Wolves have been a team? I think Wolves have got, well, I think they're 14 points from 14 games, which you know, the same as Arsenal. How, Simon, do you think, you know, have Wolves had some sort of plateau? Um, is Nuno losing his mojo? Uh, not necessarily. Mm. I mean, you can't expect relentless mm. progress from a side that's, that's recently got promoted and then mm. surprised everyone by getting in the top seven for a couple of years. Um, I mean, there are, there are going to be dips on the journey. They've sold Jota, who was clearly influential and is, is so at Liverpool as well. 
Um, so, you know, you've got to just stick with it and, and you might need to freshen it up and, and get new players in and rethink the yeah. system. Traore's not really been firing this year. So. But on the refereeing point, it's, it's very interesting going to matches with no crowd uh, and, and the frustration that you hear directly in, in the press box from, from managers and players. And a lot of managers are now a little bit despondent or a bit angry that it's becoming who can shout the loudest at the officials' competition. <laughs> Uh, it's become yeah. a shocking match on that touchdown, and there's a lot of pressure being on, exerted on Langman, uh, and we hear it all. You know, yeah. we've heard it in the past, and it's an intense pressure they're under. In Middlesbrough the other day, a goal was given uh, when a penalty was double kicked, and it was only changed because the Middlesbrough players intensely surrounded a referee and had a shouting match with him, and the ref and the, the, the Langman crumbled and agreed with the Middlesbrough players, not the ref. He didn't flag. And said, "Yeah, it shouldn't have been a goal, and, and it was only disallowed because of that shouting match." Um, yeah. So that that that's becoming a big issue with managers, and, and obviously Nuno as well, irrespective of VAR and, and getting decisions right. Yeah, isn't it interesting that so you, you mentioned that? I, what I found interesting is, is how how sometimes the referees seem to be influenced by how loud a player, well, for want of a better word, squeals. You know, yeah. or when and I'm surprised. I'm surprised at how. How, how they seem to be in so much pain. Obviously, it goes away fairly quickly. I mean, and I would have thought, for example, I mean, I don't know whether the referee, who was, you know, I, I, I can't remember who was refereeing um, on on the West Brom Villa game. You know, and there was a lot of shouting there when when Jake Livermore um, went in on on Jack Grealish. Um, it was it was Martin Atkinson, wasn't it? It was Martin Martin Atkinson. And you know, you you think then is the referee um, influenced by that? I just want to briefly talk about that, Steve. I want to, I want to talk about um, um, Sam Allardyce's first game. It did not go um, how he would have wanted. No, it, did, it didn't. And um, you know, uh, Sam's got a big job on there because uh, he, he quite clearly will want to protect uh, this wonderful uh, record he's got of never being relegated. But I have to say, <laughs> it, it looks as though that might be in danger this time because West Brom don't don't look uh, a particularly uh, uh, sort of strong side all round. He's obviously looked at that and think, because he, he does his analysis before he goes into these clubs. Um, him and Sammy Lee, I'm sure, will have looked at that and thought, yeah, there's elements of there that we can work on. Um, and the thing about it, if you look at the table, West Brom aren't adrift. They're not They're not cut adrift in, in the way that perhaps Sheffield United are with two points. I think West Brom have got seven points at the moment. Mm. Uh, the, the next t nearest team above them has, has got 10. So uh, they're, they're, they're by no means cut adrift. And um, I think Sam will think that, that, that that's, there's a real possibility there that he can get them out of trouble. I think where they're going to struggle is, is is scoring goals. You know, they, yeah. they've struggled for a long time in scoring goals. And we, we, we have seen that if you don't score goals, then, you know, you, you're unlikely to be able to survive, which is why Sheffield United are mm. in the position that they're in at the moment. But I think, you know, you, you can't dismiss Sam's experience of, of these situations. He's done it. He's done it at, at, at clubs like uh, Crystal Palace, for instance. Uh, he, he took Everton, who obviously had probably much better players than, than West Brom did. He took them from the lower reaches of the Premier League and... And when he left them, they were they were kind of quite comfortably just outside the the, the top uh, the top six seven. So he, he has got the capability to do that, but um, uh, there, there aren't many managers like him, are there? Yeah. Uh, uh, around he, I can understand completely why West Brom have gone for him because he's got the complete um, CV that would suggest he is the man to get you out of trouble. It'd be pointless bringing in a foreign manager, for instance, who's never managed here to, 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 to do that job because they, they would be, they would not have the, the know-how that Sam's got. So I think of all the managers and West, West Brom fans probably would not have wanted Sam to take charge because mm -hmm. of the, the connotation, his name just brings completely, uh, first of all, of route one football, belligerent football, uh, kind of don't get beat football, um, they probably wouldn't have wanted that. But, you know, if there's anybody that can get them out of trouble, then yeah. I, I, I would guess it would be him. So, I mean, I, I, just, I just think that, you know, I, I'm like Steve, you know, I, I'm an admirer of, of, of Allardyce's. Um, I just found it, I haven't seen West Brom. I saw West Brom go three up against Chelsea. They eventually drew that game. I saw them robbed of at least a point, maybe all three at Old Trafford when they were beaten 1-0 and, you know, terrible refereeing. Uh, decisions in that game, and then of course we saw them get that point at the um, at the Etihad, and in every in in, in every one of those games uh, that I watched, you know, I saw a team absolutely buying into in, into their manager. So regardless of who replaced him, 
I just found it an odd decision to slack to sack Billich when they did. Yeah, it is. I think the decision is, is uh, another example of short-termism in football. Yeah. I think Billich had the potential, if if you survive in, the, in your first year back in the Premier League, to, to build a club and move it on and get it playing decent football. I've seen West Brom play half-decent football this year. Um, then you appoint Sam Allardyce to, to get you through the next seven months <laughs> and keep you yeah. up. I don't know whether he's going to take them on and develop the club for two years after that. Maybe he thinks he can. Um but you do know, I mean, we've seen him at Sunderland dig a Sunderland side out of uh, into a miracle escape, and he does embed a formula in there, and he'll he'll want two or three signings which will have to work in January, uh, which he'll he'll stick in, which he had at Sunderland, um, and he has got a formula that, that kind of works, and you wonder he's been out the game for a little bit, whether that formula still works, he'll back mm. himself. 100%. And part of Sam Allardyce's strength is that is his Steve West the word belligerence. It, it is it is belligerence. He 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 will. You don't you don't want to be Sam Allardyce player and not follow him. You know you wouldn't. Yeah. Do, you would you follow him. You do your job. And if he tells you to do that, it's a job. You do it. And mm. you know what works. So yeah, it's kind of short termism at a back village to build the club a bit more long term and have it playing better football. But Sam I think keeps. I think. I think it just shows you as well, Donny, the, the nervousness that owners have got around the potential of dropping out of this division. Yeah. It, it is a frightening thought for a lot of owners. And maybe that's why we're seeing uh, West Brom pulling the trigger on, on Slaven Village yes. way before Christmas, way before really it, it's it, it's a desperate, desperate situation. Mm. I don't think it is at the moment, but they're clearly not taking any chances. They know the revenue stream that comes from being in the Premier League. And, you know, while while it was kind of um, greeted with a lot of kind of uh, dismay by a lot of fans and pundits and, and commentators, uh, you, you can absolutely see why why these, these owners do make these decisions because the numbers now in the Premier League are just stratospheric, aren't they? Yes, they are. But I'll go back to, you know, and, and Dave, I wonder if you, David, if you could come in on, on, on this. I just, you know, I go back to the idea. I mean, is it really, Steve said, it's a nightmare scenario? You know, is it really? I mean, Norwich at the top of the league, Bournemouth the second in the championship. Is it that much of a nightmare scenario? You, you know, listen, Norwich didn't sack their manager last season and and, he, and he's bringing them back up. Burnley didn't sack Sean Dyche that time. They went down and he brought them back up. Yeah, I think it depends on the, the owner's philosophy. And I think the situation with West Brom, is it the Chinese owner perhaps looking to sell? So obviously if you're trying to yes, sell a club, yes, it's better yeah. if it's in the Premier League yeah. than the Championship. But you make a very good point about, uh, about Norwich. As you say, they stuck with Daniel Fark. They'll probably get come up. This season, yes. relegated the Falsy, they are a yo yo club. Sean Dice, as you said, was a classic example as well. You know, in fact, he could even bring Sheffield United into the mix because the, the Prince of Bills come out and basically says, Look, Chris Wilder will be our manager, even if we get down, because they know that if they get relegated, the best person to get Sheffield United promoted next season will be Chris Wilder. Nobody yes. knows that club, nobody knows that squad better. So, there is something to be said for that. I think you're right, there's something to be said for clinging on existing in the the, the 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 Premier League sort of eking out sort of 35 yeah. 36 points and saying oh do you remember that great one one draw we got at uh, Newcastle yeah. or something like there as opposed to a season in the championship we just steamroller every team in front of you and like you know Steve you know you only have to speak to United fans Merge back them some of them will say they're greatest ever season 74 75 when they <laughs> won promotion back to the top flight they loved it they loved going yeah. to Blackpool and winning and stuff so there is something to be said there but i think in terms of the west brom example it's just a case that i think their owner says that we cannot afford to get relic because we want to sell this club and it's obviously going to be worth a lot more yeah. as a premier league going concern as it is as a championship team with all that there really so up to each individual owner i suppose Interesting, that Simon, isn't it? You know, I, I guess we all know areas like that and clubs like that who, who where you know promotion seasons are memorable. I'm sure it's the same on, on in the northeast, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I mean the, the two promotions most recently yes. after relegated, the Rafa promotion when Rafa stayed, just, you know, having been Real Madrid manager three months before, went down went down with them, but brought them straight back up. And that that is a there's a film just come out on uh, on Amazon about it. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, in 1992 promotion under under Keegan when they bounced back there, the streets were lined like they'd won. You know, the European yeah, Cup. Absolutely. It was so joyful. You know, it was so. Yeah, there can be great times to be had in the Championship. And the Norwich point is an interesting one. How West Brom have gone short term, but you know, Norwich have clearly got a proper long term plan. I covered them early in the season against Huddersfield, and and you just sensed it. And we were sitting right amongst the directors. Delia was there, sporting director was there. Daniel Fark hadn't got the sack after the game. They were all on the pitch together, talking, 
pulling a player in when they were doing the warm-up, having a chat. This is Delia and the sporting director in FARC. And it's a United club. They sold two or three of their assets. As long as you can do that to plug the 60 million gap that you lose from falling out, as long as you've built an asset in the Premier League, um, then then you can bounce back and, and have, a, have a good time. You know, it's... We, we all want our club to have that, that kind of stability yes. and that kind of long-term plan, even if they have a little the odd failure on the way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I think that's what it's all about, you know, and, and, and the team is at the start of the season saying, you know, we've just got to, the bottom line is enough points to stay up and this is how much the TV contract's worth. And let's face it, they get the TV money and they, and they give it all to, to players on exorbitant yeah. contracts. Now, it's, oh, well, let's stay in this league so we can actually pay more money to more players and give give players 350 grand a week not to play i find it i find it just a bit you know in this time i'd like there to be a bit more idealism like we've been talking about today but talking about relegation i was going to say david you, you did bring up that good point um about um what the sheffield united owners were saying but did it almost in a way that's almost almost accepting a fate you know so yeah. I, I, I mean do you think i'm going to ask you i'm going to ask all, all of you all three of you it's not we're obviously not yet nowhere close to being halfway through the season. But who are the three clubs, David? First of all, you you think are 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 going to be relegated or in the gravest danger of being yeah, relegated? Yeah. Well, at Sheffield United, we've been asking Chris Wilder a lot about season nineteen ninety. Dave Bats's first season, they got promoted. Uh, season nineteen ninety one, and they had not won a game just before Christmas. They beat Forest, and they then went on this crazy run of winning seven of the next ten or something, and actually stayed up comfortably mid table. And we keep saying. Can another Christmas miracle happen? And the answer is, I don't think so. Um, because Sheffield had deal up. The, the two things you'd be good at as a football team are scoring goals and keeping them out, and they can't do either at the minute. Despite everything, the work ethic, the commitment, the team spirit, everything else, you cannot fault. But if you can't just – it's almost a case of, it's like me, can I play for Liverpool? No, I'm not good enough. And it's almost like Sheffield just aren't good enough for the Premier League at the minute, so I fancy they will go down. I think Fulham, I'm still not convinced by them. And I – this might be an escape back too far for Big Sam and West Brom. Sheffield United, Fulham, West Brom. I will go. It's Christopher, by the way, who's watching this, who's asking this question um, uh, about which three teams we think will go down. So you've got Sheffield, Fulham, West Brom. I think Sheffield, West Brom, I'd agree with. I like Fulham. I think Fulham have got goals in them, and I think Fulham will 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 get a, a few results. Will surprise people. Um, I fear for Burnley. Uh, I really do. So I'll go Sheffield, Fulham, Burnley. Oh, Steve. Burnley will be fine. <laughs> well, they're fine, mate. Yeah, that's, that's, that's 12, points, Peter, 12 points for the last seven games. They'll be fine. Steve? Um, yeah, I, I mean, Sheffield United, I think they, they are doomed. Um, I, I think after that, I, I would probably, uh, again, again, I, I would worry about Fulham. Um, uh, I, I think Sam will get West Brom out of trouble. I really believe he will do that. Uh, because they're not cut adrift, as I said. So I'm going to go uh, Sheffield United. I'll go Fulham as well. And do you know what? I think there's going to be a team that will drop into it from from outside, and 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 probably uh, the one team for me that might struggle this season is Brighton. And um, I'm I'm going to go Brighton to go down. Simon. Well, I agree, Sheffield United. I, I don't think Sam, will, Sam Allardyce will keep West Brom up. Uh, I saw Fulham last week and they were really impressive against Newcastle. Uh, and Guiza and Lamina in the middle of the park ran the show. They're, they're scoring goals, so I think that they've got 13 goals this year. So I think they might get out of it. A bit worried about Brighton, are they a bit flimsy? But I think having covered Burnley a few times and Sean Dyche being a little bit unhappy about the amount of... Amount of um, money that he's had in the summer and the bit of discord going on there and takeover brewing. I think the instability at Burnley might just be trip them up. And the main thing is they're the lowest scorers in the league. They've only scored eight goals uh, this year. So I, th I think this could be a, a bad year for Burnley to slip into the third bottom. <laughs> Dave's not. No, that'll be fine. The takeover will happen. There'll be money to spend. <laughs> I think we I think we can all um I think we I think we can all say that, that it, it's not sounding great news for um for Sheffield United. <laughs> so no, no. and quickly at, at the at, at the as we as we approach the festive period at the other end of the table, are, are we I'm going Liverpool's champions. Anyone else with it? Is there anyone yeah. different from that, Simon? Yeah. No, not at all. Liverpool will will win, but they'll be like you said, only ninety odd points this year. Only ninety two points. Yeah. yeah, David. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely Liverpool. Yeah, maybe, yeah, it's, it's a high 80s, low low 90s points. Like, they will lose games. In fact, they might even lose an Anfield this season, the league, yeah, for the first time since, what, April 2017. That is, that, is that when it is? Who wants to repeat them then? I, I can't remember. Big Sam, Big Sam with Crystal Palace. Of course, yeah. And Big Sam is back on Saturday, Sunday evening with West Brom. So there you are. There's yeah. a story that could be written I, in the stars. Yeah, well, it could be written in the stars. Mate. That would, now, that would be a Christmas miracle. Let's, let's put it that way. Steve, <laughs> can you see any fair than Liverpool? I can't, Dunny. No, not at the moment. I mean, I, I think I think Manchester United have the capability. Mm. They've certainly got the players and they've got the squad. There's no doubt about that. And they've got the forward line to do it. But I just think there's that, that, that kind of question mark about their in, 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 inconsistency at the moment that, that would, would be holding them back. Um, uh, as I've mentioned, City, I think, are always capable of, of mounting a challenge. But I think there's just... City aren't right at the minute, and I, I think you know until they get that strike force sorted out and, and start scoring more goals, um, then then I, I don't think they're missing David Silver as well. City, yeah. uh, they're missing Sergio Aguero's goals and it, when he was in his peak. So so yeah, for, for me, I think Liverpool have got it sewn up. But listen, as you just mentioned, we're not even we're not even kind of yeah. halfway through yet. So you know, there's a lot of twists and turns, and and you know, I, I believe that. Um, at this moment, Liverpool do look the best bet. But mm. I think, you know, we're in a season where we've said it before, this could be another 2016 when Leicester win it and somebody else comes out the pack. Yeah, well, Leicester, of course, got a big game on Boxing Day. They're, they're, it's a game that I'll be at on Boxing Day. Leicester are home to Manchester United. Um, guys, festive football, you know, um, normally we, we always have a, a, a manager or two moaning about the fixture schedule, but... It's great, isn't it? I mean, I mean, David, you, you, do you enjoy the football over the holiday season? Would you rather see them have a break? Well, yeah. Again, as you said, this hypocritic element within us journalists, and that in some respects, we all moan about, oh, yeah, it's just too hard, and they should get proper breaks. And you think, well, as journalists, what fills the paper better than live matches every Absolutely. other day? Really, <laughs> the paper takes care of itself. But it is, and, and the people, especially this time, more than any year, we're basically, you know, we're all stuck at home. We're all feeling a bit sorry for ourselves. It's been a miserable year. And I know it's a cliche, but it is wonderful to be able to turn the live football in. One of the few live things that is actually happening, because even the telly's rubbish. They haven't been able to make the Christmas specials and all that. You're watching the pizza film. (laughs) And every night you can watch a live Premier League game of some top team. And as you say, this season more than any, because there's that levelling down and sort of levelling up from below, there's there's actually great quality, you know, in a lot of the games. And there's going to be some absolute crackers. And I think the Christmas football will be one of the highlights of the the festive period, really. Simon, it's good, isn't it? It's good stuff to have all these fixtures and then to have the FA Cup third round soon after. Yeah, it's great. Pack the pack them in. They've, these teams have all got 25-man squads, so why don't you use them? I mean, if, you, if you've got 10 men you don't want to use, don't, don't employ them. You know, i tell you what yeah. I do this year in the coronavirus era with nobody going out is the stories of the players' Christmas party and, uh, you know, parents <laughs> Swingbridge and Newcastle and all that kind of stuff and the arrests and carnage that happens there. And we're not going to see that this year, which is usually uh, the list of spirits. I remember, Sam. I remember. I don't know why it's just come to me, but I, oh, the other thing um, I was going to say about Christmas, do you remember when the players' news always used to come out of what they got each other for Secret Santa? Yeah. yeah. And didn't someone get Pistoni something bizarre? Sheep's heart. Is a that sheep's right? heart, that's right. right yeah. do, we ever, do we ever find out who gave him that Secret Santa? Well, I, th- I think the senior players in the, in the dressing room at that time, Alex, yes. Warren Barton, that kind of thing, probably were <laughs> might have been behind that. <laughs> I, I, I remember that. I, I, it just comes to me that suddenly that I remember. Steve, yeah, yeah. So, so Christmas parties, I, I, I remember, I, I, do you remember, Steve, up, up here in the Northwest? I mean, the Liverpool players' party used to be legendary, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Back in the day, it did. Yeah, I mean, yes. um, c- certainly they could It was do, fancy they, dress, they, wasn't it, if I remember yeah. rightly? Yeah, fancy dress, and um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of the clubs have uh, have opted for fancy dress the last few years. I, I remember in my village where I live, um, uh, a few footballers live around this way, Manchester footballers, and I remember going into the village for I think yeah. I was going to get a pint of milk, and uh, I bumped into the Manchester City squad uh, going into a restaurant, uh, and they were dressed as kind of uh, superheroes, chickens, all kinds of things. So it was. <laughs> It was, it was quite bizarre. It was quite bizarre, really, and uh, I, I think it's a great, a, a great tradition that um, we, we should encourage. But that's yeah. cool, isn't it? When they're dressed as superheroes, as long as they're wearing the helmet, the hat, you can't tell yeah. who's behind the buzz light yeah, who's misbehaving in the restaurant. So yes. we get away with the, we get away with murder when they're dressed up. As superheroes. <laughs> it's a, it, it, it's exactly. A, David, it's almost unthinkable now, isn't it? 
What? A Christmas party. <laughs> and on the thought of going out, Johnny, actually, and having a drink or sitting in a bar, not having to scan something and show proof of an identity to show that you're all from yes. the same family bubble and you're not interlopers. It, it is absolute, uh, absolute bonkers, really. But um, it, it, will, it will slowly get back to normal, really. Although, uh, I, 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 I was talking to, uh, we, had a, we had a Zoom call with Jurgen Klopp um, uh, sort of a week, 10 days ago. And I asked him if, you know, obviously they couldn't be having a Christmas party this year. And I alluded to the, the legendary Liverpool parties of the past where, yeah. they, get, where they get dressed up. And, and I, I said, will you not be having just maybe a Christmas meal be between you all at the training ground? You know, and, and he even said that wouldn't be possible because of the strict COVID rules now that are in place at the training grounds where you have to socially distance. And they, they just didn't feel it'd be worthwhile having, you know, a Christmas turkey lunch. Yeah. even in their own bio bubble yeah. so that's, it, that's that shows you how, how that this whole mm. pandemic has just decimated everything yeah. what a what a shame I, I, I suspect as we know probably because when it came to one of our functions last year i suspect clock would be good value on on any oh, Christmas party wouldn't it um, yeah. anyway guys thanks for that hopefully hopefully this time next year um, even the players will be having a Christmas party. We'll all be having one. Hopefully, this year the football will go ahead and 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 you know just um, cheer a few people up anyway. So, guys, thanks again for today. Enjoy the games wherever you're going. Thanks everyone for watching, um, and I think we'll be back next week. Thank you, Bye. All.